Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Philippians 4, 6, 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for us. Lord, we come for you today. Needing your mercies new today. Needing your anointing new today. Lord, we thank you for yesterday's mercies and grace. We thank you for yesterday's supernatural favor. But Lord, we need it today. And Lord, we ask that now over this church and over even this message and your messenger, Lord, as we come today to share the good news of a risen Savior. Thank you again for this time, Lord. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, this Sunday after Easter, I hope uh, if you missed last week, you can go watch that. But hopefully you're tuning in again this week because maybe you were here last week, maybe for the first time. And we're just excited that you're, you're, you've joined us again. And if you wouldn't mind just checking in, as uh, Pastor Sarah's already said, we would love to know that you're out there. But this Sunday after Easter, I, I'm actually going to stay on a passage of Scripture this morning that actually is still on Resurrection Sunday because we, as I said last week, we celebrate this every week, actually every day. But uh, every week, we, the church comes together to celebrate the resurrection. And I think it was appropriate as I was studying this week, trying to, and in the last few days, trying to figure out, well, Lord, where are you leading us on this? Because one of the things, just to be honest with you, during this time, is that normally as a staff, we have sermon series kind of planned out for a long period of time, but things change, don't they? So that's where we've been kind of adapting and just asking the Lord to lead us, almost for me, week to week, what that may look like. And there are times I'm going, Lord, you've got to come through. There are times, like just earlier, I was standing over there next to that green room door that most of you know is over to the south side and debating whether to come up here or just go out the door and start walking, getting truck and just drive off. Because if, Lord, if you're not here and you're not in it, and as Moses said, if you're not going with us, we do not want to leave. And if you're not with us, I am leaving. <laughs> That's how I felt about it. So we come today, hopefully with a message of hope. Jesus is alive. Now what? We did a series last fall on now what? It, as, like most series we do here, they, they get longer as we go. But there is that question of now what? And questions are great. The Bible, the scripture is full of questions. And questions are great because inside of every question, the hope is there is a quest. A quest for truth. A quest for knowing someone else better. A quest for everybody's uh, life being better because we're, we're, we're engaging each other. Sometimes questions, if you, all you got to do is watch the news. The questions are not there for that. 
The questions are there to maybe embarrass someone or trip someone up or something along that line. But our hope is in asking questions, it's a desire to know more, to have knowledge. But again, even knowledge itself is not always enough. Knowledge, I think Dallas Willard says that knowledge in Scripture is, it's, it's only experiential. And just because you have it here, if you're not living it out, it really still is not knowledge till you act on it. So we come today just thinking through this whole idea of questions. Scripture is one of my, a couple of my favorite questions in Scripture. One is, and found in Genesis 3, who told you that you were naked? And it's a profound question because it is the first time that we can understand after the fall that they understood that there had been a separation. There was an awareness that something was not right. So they hid, which leads to hiding, blaming, a lot of things, shame. And we all are still living underneath that so many ways. Pontius Pilate asking the question, what is truth? What is truth? Man, is that, a, is that a question for the ages? But today we're going to come in the passage of Scripture again, staying on the resurrection morning, and it's found in Luke chapter 24. And we read a little bit out of Matthew last week as the women came to the tomb. But just this passage of Scripture, there is a question here that I think may be of some help. I've, I've preached on this before, so it's not, you may go, man, I've heard that. But what I've realized is, Sometimes I don't even remember what I preached last week, let alone last year, so you probably don't remember this sermon either. So it's, it's, a, it's a version of that. It's not the full thing. But I think it's a profound question for us, especially during this time. We're isolated. We're in places many times where our mind can take off and just run and run and run. Maybe, just maybe today, this might be of help to you. Let's go to Romans, I mean, excuse me, Luke chapter 24. Verses 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in, in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Beside them, In their fright, the women bowed down in their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, here's the question, why do you look for the living among the dead. He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Great question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And the same word here for living is a word we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, it, it, it's, it, if you went back, the word life or zoe. And it's life that's genuine, a life that's active. It's a life that's vigorous, devoted to God. That is the life. Why do you look for that kind of life in things that don't give life? Because all of life, I believe, and more convinced every day, is only through him. And not a borrow, you can't even borrow a drip of life in some ways from any other thing. Because all life, this kind of life, only comes through Christ. 
because you were made for this. This is your purpose. Back from creation, you were designed for this. But this question, why do you look for the living among the dead? It exposes something that's too true for some of us. You know, for the women that morning, and again, I won't go too deep into it, but for the women that morning, their long-awaited Messiah had been crucified. They came to the cross, again, not remembering, because they had to be reminded by the two men, but not remembering, I guess, the words they had heard from Jesus that on that third day he would be raised. They went there to do what they only knew to do was to prepare the body. I don't think they went there with a great plan, because I don't know if they were going to be able to roll that stone away or not by themselves, but they went there with the right heart. You know what? Sometimes that's what you got to show up with. You may not have a great plan, and we need to plan, and I'm all into planning and strategic, but at the end of the day, sometimes we just got to show up because we may be in our, in our darkest hour, and I'm assuming these women were, but the least they showed up because there are times we can't see past the tragedy. All we see is death. Because something, but we still got to keep showing up. Sometimes we forget that there's something magnificent beyond the cross. If we're not careful, our faith and our lives will stay focused on tragedy without triumph. Friends, I'm here to tell you today there is triumph past the cross. As we said last week, if the cross were the end of the story, if the tomb they went that day and the stone was still there or the tomb was still with the body of Jesus, you would have never really heard about Jesus. You had never even heard about Christianity. There'd be no churches. We wouldn't be meeting here this morning or you where you are. That, that wouldn't be happening. Jesus' followers would have disappeared like so many other followers of, of wannabe messiahs of that time if that were the end. But here's the deal. The resurrection mattered. It's the centerpiece of the gospel. I realize we, we carry across. Most of us, that's our medallion. It's hard to sometimes maybe see a, to have a, a, as our central metaphor is, a, is an instrument of death, and that's what we wear. But honestly, it could even be a, a, a stone rolled away, if you will, and have that on there because at the end of the day, the stone was rolled away because Jesus is alive. Like most of you, I've had a lot of uh, now what moments in my life. I mean, some are small. Sometimes things happen you, that you go, well, now what? And you're having to make a decision in the moment with, you know, and, and, and they're small things, but they could be become big things. But then there's a lot of big decisions you have in your life. How we ended up here at renovation, as I've shared with you before, was a huge now what? I know in 2006, uh, as I was at, at Crossroads, uh, I'd, I'd removed my name from consideration there as, as the pastor, and I didn't know what the next now what was, but I tried to continue to do the right things that I believe God was telling me to do, so I continued to walk that out. Till 2011, December, I get a phone call about this church. Didn't really do much with it, except it just said if they want to consider something down the road, 
of a hard restart, then I would talk about it. But at that time, that wasn't the case. But then there was February 13th of 2012, February 17th of 2012, May 6th of 2012. And all those things begin to come in play that there's potential. We're going to be here at this church. It would be renamed. We didn't know it at the time. But on May 10th, 2012, I remember walking into Pastor Dave's office, and I, and I appreciate his leadership over my life, but I remember walking into his office telling him I was going to leave Crossroads and come to what was then Biltmore Church of the Nazarene. And I remember telling him, and I walked out of there and felt like I had made this huge decision. God had allowed me to, to walk through this decision. And I, for about 10 minutes, I had this euphoric feel that now, uh, feel about my life that now this was what I was supposed to do. And then after about 10 minutes, this huge, almost screaming at me message question came. Now what? Now what? And man, there have been a lot of questions ever since then <laughs> that have to be answered. Sometimes we have a big question answered, and it opens up tons of other questions underneath it. And often we are answering these now what questions with sometimes very little information, sometimes faulty or bad information. Sometimes you get a now what in the middle of a pandemic of all things. Never even thought, I'd, I never thought I'd have a, that question. Okay, pastor, now what? But you still have to give an answer. But even in the middle of all of this, even in the middle of the biggest decisions we have to make, we're going through it as a family not now, Jan's family and her mom, big decisions the biggest daily decision I think I still make is if Jesus is alive in my life, and he is, now what? Because the question could easily become, Kurt, are you looking for life amongst the lifeless, even as a follower of Christ? It may seem today that that message was addressed to those women, and it was. But why do you seek Zoe amongst the lifeless? It's really the question, honestly, for all time. And how we answer that question determines really, to me, how we view everything else in life. Because it comes back to, even as I said earlier, even back to the purpose of life, why we even exist in the first place. Our marriage depends on how we answer this. How we raise our children depends on how we answer this. Everything. We seek life in so many places. And, here, and I want to say, I, 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 and, and, and agree with you, some of these things that we seek life from are good things. And they should be part of our life. Don't miss, don't hear what I'm not saying. Some of them. Relationships, marriages, our kids, even our church, those should be a part of our life, but they can never substitute for the life giver. Our career, our finances can never substitute 
for the life giver. Many of you know I love nature. My, my two sacred pathways, as many of you know, you've heard over and over, probably sick of it, is, is nature and music, worship music specifically. And you mix the two together, it's, it's awesome. Psalm 19, I don't have the scripture up, says the, heaven decla- the heavens declare the glory of God. The expanse shows his handiwork. But we cannot seek life from the creation, only from the creator. Recreation, which means to recreate. In other words, if I have recreation that I love being involved in, part of what it does is kind of recreate me. It kind of gives me, renews me. But we can spend so much time on our recreation that, that somehow or another we substitute that for the life giver. Serving. Serving energizes me. The blessing strategy we're able to be a part of right now, I'm so appreciative of what God has done in our church, and, and hopefully we'll be able to do a lot more. And right now, you know, we got a 10-day push uh, to, to, uh, to serve our veterans at Victory Place. So those are things we're trying to do, and it, and it energizes me that we get to do that. But I can't find alone my life just in serving. Events or vacations, man, I love, I've enjoyed traveling. I like to go, I look forward to things. Maybe you look forward to things. But again, friends, that can become something that you just continue to look forward to and don't look to the life giver. A wedding is awesome, but in itself doesn't give life. My point is this, those are good things. But there's only one that delivers life, and his name is Jesus. There are some things that are, during this time, I hope and pray that are not the things you're looking to for life, that are lifeless. Addictions. Those things that promise us to take us to a euphoric place that we have, but it's not sustainable and it's not realistic, and we do it sometimes even at the cost of those we love, even our own lives but during this season, especially now, don't look for life there. And if you need help, please get help. Don't look for life in your politics. I have no problem people being activists and people being have a cause. We should be people of cause as believers in Christ, but we don't find our life there. By the way, your news outlet. <laughs> Don't look to that for life. I'm not saying those people there can't give good information. That is not what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, friend, they are not the life givers. It's a question, I think, that reorients us back to God's providence. Jesus, you're alive. I believe that. Now what? I believe God's still up to something good, folks. I realize that people may ask, how can a good God? I just believe God is always up to something good. And I'm convinced of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13. Now I know his part, in part, then I shall know fully. 
I realize, folks, I don't have all the big picture here. I'm the guy who I hate going to a movie. Jan knows this. I hate going to a movie and getting there five or ten minutes late. I don't like missing out on that first part because that may just set the whole thing for the whole story the rest of the time, and somehow or another, I, I just missed it. And you're trying to play catch-up the whole time. I've never seen The Lord of the Rings, but you've heard me talk about this before. Can you imagine setting me down in a 12- or 13-hour trilogy and letting me watch three minutes of it and and asking me to come out of that after watching three minutes and say, hey, tell us what it's all about from beginning to end. We only see in fragments. We've said a lot over the last few weeks about being prayerful and watchful and thankful. And I realize there is enough anxiety and concern to go around for all of us and probably a double dose. There's no question. I'll be forthright with you. I deal with it at times. It's not a faith issue. It's just not a faith issue. It's just sometimes whether it's the who knows what all it's from. For me, I try to listen the best I can. And I just read this the other day, and it just just reminded me. I was reading it in Job. And he just told Job, and, you, you know, he just said, Job, I just want you to, just want you to stand. I want you to listen. But the Lord begins to walk Job through it. But one of the things he says was, where were you when I told the waves where to stop? I want to listen to the wave stopper. (laughs) I want to hear his voice speaking into my heart and my mind, especially during times like this, anytime, but especially the one who said, waves, you stop right there. And he basically says, I humble the waves. (laughs) You proud waves, I'm stopping you right there. Where were you, Job? I just want to be thankful. He goes on to tell Job, and Job, I don't remember the passage of Scripture, but Job comes to the conclusion when it's all said and done. He said, I, he said before I thought I knew about God, now I know God. He said, I used to live on crumbs and rumors. I am no longer going to be satisfied on crumbs. I want to be a person who's thankful for what God has done. And I know, I realize during this time, and again, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I have, and many of you who know me, I have taken this very serious. Maybe sometimes a little more than some others would. Okay, I get it. And I would never, ever take anyone's pains and losses lightly. Lord knows we've experienced it as a family, and we're working through some of those things right now as we're speaking. Over these last few years, there's been more losses than probably in any other period in my life. So I do not take this lightly. But the reality is, I am surrounded by an absolutely staggering abundance of blessings. I'm inclined to believe that the grace I've been allowed to enjoy for the past five minutes, my heart beating and the ability to breathe and walk 
and move is evidence that he himself is very good. You and I got up this morning, and gravity worked perfectly again. The sun was still just the right distance from the earth to keep us from freezing or frying. Throughout this morning, I've been able to enjoy all kinds of experiences. I could taste coffee. And fortunately for many of you, I really am keeping it to about one and a half cup right now. We, I mean, that's the reason why I'm able to stay within this zone right here. To see the beautiful skies and the mountains of this valley. To sing and hear the music. And friends, I am convinced someday we will also feel the touch of handshakes and hugs again. And I look so forward to that. As we read last week in Matthew 28, and we don't have the scripture up, it says, so the women hurried away from the tomb, and I love this, I just mentioned it briefly last week, afraid yet filled with joy. I know that feeling. Afraid, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of, I remember the day I walked the aisle in 1986. I know what it's like to be afraid. I had no idea what I, I, now what? I'm standing in front of this Baptist church. Now what? But full of joy at the exact same time. The tension of, of, of needing to do courageous things. If we've said here before, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the absence of self. And sometimes you do things not because you're trying to get eliminate fear. You're doing it because of the good of others. And at the same time, you can have fear in the one sense and joy at the same time. That's what they had. You know, we watch all these HGTV shows. Many of you do, not everybody, but a lot of people do. From Fixer Up to Flip or Flop and all the ones. And many of you have been probably way too much recently, probably. But the reason I believe we love these shows is there is something within us that was put there by the redemptive God that we love to see things overcome, to be repurposed, to be redeemed, to be renovated, to have new life, Zoe. For a few of you last week, you received Christ into your life, and it starts a journey. If you were anything like me, when I gave my life to Christ, I was still a mess. In your house right now, if you were a mess when you gave your life to Christ, just say amen or tag us on, the, on, on our social media. I didn't know any scripture at the moment. If you were like me, I didn't have a lot of answers to all the questions. But I knew this. Something changed. I believe the most electrifying seven words ever uttered. He is not here. He is risen. Changed everything. Because the reality is, you can't resurrect anything, but Christ can when you put your hands in his. One of the things I've been thinking about as I asked the band to come on forward in the last few days as we've been isolated 
across this country. Alone, but waiting. Waiting when that day will come that we can come back together. Now, some of you may not be, but I think there's a lot of you just waiting for that reunion, waiting. And I thought, is that a little bit like what it is in heaven? That there's going to be a time, we know there's going to be a time, we're confident there's coming a time when we will all be together and there will be this great celebration. And as we said last week, the song that we sang today, Gardens, Graves to Gardens, that there's nothing better than you. You turn mourning into dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into garden. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. See, followers of other religions make pilgrimages to burial places. But friends, I want to tell you today, we're not memorializing a dead hero, but celebrating a risen Savior. It's because we know that there is triumph over tragedy. We know that past the cross, there is victory. We know that the light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not, cannot, will not overcome it. There is a great light, and that great light shines hope, peace, joy, love in the darkness. Hope has a name. Peace has a name. Joy has a name. Love has a name. That name is Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. Friend, I realize for some of you today, even this is a heavy day. And we've been praying for you. We love you. And we're so glad even in the heaviness of all this, we get to walk this with you. Sometimes from a distance. But what we know is your, our God's arm is not short. His ear is not deaf. He is not caged in. He is not put in a box. He goes where he goes. He goes as the wind blows. As I said this morning, I think it's Jim Simbola. We need fresh wind, fresh fire. fire. But let me say this. The wind, as Jesus told Nicodemus, blows where it blows. Your spirit, Lord, today is across this valley and across this country and across this world. And all I'm asking today, folks, for you is to allow him to do what only he can do. Resurrect what only he can resurrect. Are you looking, friend, for life in lifeless places? He is risen. He is the only place. All those other good things I mentioned earlier, oh, those can still be there as long as we look to Him for life. As we sing, I, I pray that you will sing with us again. I'll come and close us in prayer. This new song, Graves to Gardens. And as I sang it over the last week, it just speaks to what I believe only He can do. And I pray that in your life. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, help us as we lift your name up in praise.